I wake up at two o'clock in the morning thinking about the layoffs that have happened in Boston. And I'm trying to figure out how I can build a company where we never have to do that. We make swaddling and uh, sleeping bags for babies. They're patented. They're lightly weighted to simulate a hug that a parent has on their baby. That's very calming and comforting. So by helping the baby sleep better, we're helping the whole family. This is the Language of Business, a podcast to inform and inspire entrepreneurs. Anyone thinking about a startup or a small business looking for a new idea, hear about strategies that work and strategies that don't work from people who've been there and done that. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Our host is Gregory Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. In this episode, we look at an eight-year Navy Chief of Operations veteran who runs a manufacturing plant where everyone can make faster, smarter decisions. How does he do that? By walking around. Plus, if your new baby just won't get to sleep at night, Nested Bean has a way to fix that in three days or less. And how did the company pivot? Here's Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. If you're the type of manager who does well by walking around and talking to your employees, how do you do that when everybody is social distancing? We're on location with Jason Ray, the CEO and founder of Paperless Parts, and welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you for having me. Jason, what exactly does Paperless Parts do to make it easier for customers digitally? Yeah, so we work with manufacturers, and I think it's important to explain that every job, every manufacturing job starts with sending a quote. We help manufacturers leverage the digital data I've designed this coffee cup in CAD, and now I want some manufacturer to make it. How do you do management by walking around when there's nobody to walk around and see? It's really challenging. I find myself to be the type of leader who really likes to engage with people face-to-face, really like to understand how people are doing, what's going on in their day-to-day lives. There's a saying that if it's not right at home, it's not going to be right anywhere. And now that everyone is working from home, it's even more challenging to understand how things are going in my team's personal lives to make sure that they're feeling their best when they're showing up to work. Some of the ways we do that are by having coffee hours, by you know having beers on Friday afternoon, by just general check-ins. I mean, I think digital tools have come to the rescue here in a lot of regards. I mean, this conversation that we're having over Zoom is, you know, it's a little bit different than being face-to-face in person but it definitely helps fill that gap. Given your experience in the military, how has military style efficiency helped paperless parts these days? I think the big thing is that it's one team rallied around a common mission working to solve big problems and it makes it much easier. There are no orders. There's no having to tell somebody to do their job. There's no trying to get people to show up on time or give 100% effort. When the entire company is rallied around a common goal, it's a really powerful force that puts the guardrails up and keeps everybody moving in the same direction. I wouldn't say it's been easy, but it's definitely much easier with that in mind. I mean, we're all fighting for survival. And what has been that common goal that Paperless Parts is rallying around? We are trying to move manufacturing to be more digital. We find that in general, a lot of industries have embraced digital tools, SaaS, software to drive efficiency in their businesses. And we don't see that happening in manufacturing very often. And it seems like a fantastic opportunity to support people who are entrepreneurs just like us, who are building businesses and are very just underserved by modern software technology and and modern tools. The common mission here is to 
help American manufacturers win, um, help them be more successful in their day-to-day lives. And how is Paperless Parts specifically helping those U.S. manufacturers win? We have built a tool that leverages geometry to help manufacturers, quote, much more effectively, much more efficiently, and communicate with their customers in a streamlined fashion. The entire tool is built on the cloud. So we're on Amazon GovCloud, we're ITAR and NIST compliant, a couple of terms that are very important to manufacturers today. And what we've done is we've taken a lot of the best practices that we've seen out of other software tools, be it Slack or Google Drive or Dropbox, and we've built those into a platform that is very manufacturing centric. It really takes into consideration the novel aspects of running a manufacturing business, whereas a lot of these tools are built to be generic just for anyone. So we are highly customized to the needs of custom part manufacturers. So to an extent, it sounds like that should be completely unaffected by COVID-19 in terms of the technology. Outside of your employees, is that the case? To be naive to say that we're not impacted by COVID-19. I think everyone is. I think everyone has someone that they know who's gotten sick or has struggled with this disease or virus. But I think in terms of being impacted, our company is very fortunate that we can all work from home. And I think there's a really interesting thing happening where investors are talking about, well, commercial real estate is going to go through the floor and it's going to be a paradigm shift in the way people work. And I think it's a little bit early to make those projections. I find that we have phenomenal velocity right now in our software development, but you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. So what do my developers do? They work around the clock. You know, it's either this or Fortnite. If they can, that's this is what they're going to work on. And so I don't know that people will experience that same level of efficiency going forward as the world starts to open. And I do think that there is significant value to having a centralized location where you can rally the troops and get everybody on the same page. Are you concerned that your customers are going to have to wait longer before they sign purchase orders, et cetera, because of COVID. Absolutely. I think, and we're, we're working really hard to support our customers. I think there's a central, kind of a central do no harm mission. Like we never want to have a negative impact on our customers. I don't want to hurt their cash flow. The last thing I want is a manufacturer not being able to make payroll because they're paying for paperless parts. So we monitor our customers very closely in terms of their success in business and their success with our platform. It is a quoting platform. We do have the ability to see, are they getting opportunities? to quote? Are they being successful in winning those opportunities? I've seen several manufacturers who've said, Jason, right now, we just can't handle the cash impact. For some of those shops, we've been able to work on terms with them and make it work so that we can be a part of their resurgence and their success going forward. What is the single biggest thing that keeps you up at night about the future of paperless parts? I think right now it's scaling sales. So we are very interested in continuing to grow our sales team. We just made four hires. I wake up at two o'clock in the morning thinking about the layoffs that have happened in Boston. And I'm trying to figure out how I can build a company where we never have to do that. And that might be naive to say where you've got 2,500 people and you end up having to lay off a significant portion of your workforce because of unforeseen things. But I would really like to build this company in a way where I can make sure that I'm taking care of the people who've committed to being here. I don't take that lightly. Jason, Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Jason Ray, CEO and founder of Paperless Parts. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. Next up, if your new baby just won't sleep through the night, there's a way to fix that that works for baby, mom, and dad when the language of business continues. 
I didn't even realize what it meant to be in a top tier business school until my first day. And I just really, for the first time, felt like I was in a place where everybody knew what was going on and everyone was incredibly driven to study this and perfect this field. And so I think being in a top business school really means that you are finding the barriers and the edges of the field and pushing them a little farther. And that's what Questrom has taught me over the past four years. The curriculum at Questrom is really helpful because you get to not only study the basics of business, such as accounting or marketing, but you really get to dive further in and to see applications of the health sector and how business applies to sustainability efforts around the world. They really want us to kind of focus on healthcare, security, sustainability, and technology. Those are really where the jobs are going to be. They really want us to come out from the Question School of Business and, like I said, be able to work in any area of the industry. Interested? Go to bu.edu slash you're listening to the Language of Business podcast. Back to Greg Stoller. Thank you, Don. Have you ever wondered what it's like to work for a boss who really believes it's okay to fail? If so, you might enjoy working with Monsi Gangan. She is founder and president of Nested Bean. And Monsi, welcome to the Language of Business. Thank you for having me. Monsi, what does Nested Bean do? Nested Bean is a sleep and wellness brand. We cater to young families who have just had their babies and are sleepless and looking for better sleep. We make swaddling and uh, sleeping bags for babies. They're patented, they're lightly weighted to simulate a hug that a parent has on their baby that's very calming and comforting. So by helping the baby sleep better, we're helping the whole family sleep better. And what was your inspiration in starting the business? Oh, my second son who wouldn't sleep. <laughs> he was the inspiration. I would put him down and he would wake up immediately unless he was held in my arms. So that got me thinking, what is it that babies feel even their health? And I tried to sort of mimic that. And that was the inspiration. And I saw there was tremendous research in a simulation of touch through lightly weighted objects and through deep pressure. And that was what um, the solution came from. Your business has pivoted from formerly being almost all retail to now entirely online. How did you go through that change? Very methodically, I have to say. In 2015 was our first pivot. We were producing our products at the time in South America, and we were primarily selling through the retail channel. We had launched in 2013. We had been selling for about one and a half years. In 2014, we would go to these trade shows and sell our products to retailers. They would then put those products on the shelves inside their stores, and that was it. There was no direct-to-consumer business or direct-to-consumer marketing education going on. And since our products required education, what happened, they would go on the retail shelves and they would sort of languish there. At this time, the millennials were becoming parents. They were consuming a lot of their information on social media. They were buying right off of their mobile phones. So in 2014, we made this decision that we're going to start looking at the online channel a bit more carefully but that was it you know it's just a thought our then manufacturer decided to change the pricing model and increased our prices by 40% so that was crisis mode because 40% you really cannot go retail with 40% razor thin margins that was the first pivot because we were forced to do it it was going to take about seven months to land a different supply chain because we had to move and we said all right you know for seven months it's not like we're going to go gangbusters and go sell because we cannot let's hunker down and build so we decided to learn. We rebuilt our online platform to be a lot more e-commerce focused, e-commerce friendly. We learned a lot of digital marketing techniques from scratch. And at the time, Google came 
somehow serendipitously knocking and said, we would love to give you as a startup, we would love to give you a certain number amount of funds and a free videographer to tell your story. We created this amazing video, which we use even today. And uh, that's how we got started creating an educational experience for the end customer online. And since then, we've really not looked back. Online became our go-to channel. We pivoted from being 95% retail to 95% online. As we grew proportionately, we saw a phenomenal growth, even in our retail channel. So that was our first pivot. It came in 2015 to 2016. And how about your second pivot? So no pivot this time, because since 2016, it was such a fantastic lesson, Greg, that we decided at the time that we're going to live vicariously all the time. We're not going to get cozy and comfortable with anything. And that has become a part of our culture to such a degree that we decided we're not going to chase short-term gains. We're going to make pretty strategic investments in any business model that is going to give its dividends over the long term, and it will keep giving those dividends. And that is what the online channel really is, because there are so many things that you can do. You can keep creating new business opportunities within this massive playing field and keep perfecting each business opportunity and developing a culture within our company where it's okay to try, it's okay to fail, as long as we're collecting data. And it's good, methodical, thoughtful data. And a lot of people say it's okay to fail, but few actually live by what they say. What is it like being one of your employees? I hope they say that it's a lot of fun (laughs) because we keep it really exciting. These days, there is so much that you can try. As long as we know what the goals are, there is really no one way to reach the goal. So why only have one path to it? So what we try to do, and I encourage them, I encourage them to always try new things as long as they have a clear idea of why they're doing it and how does it relate to the goal that we are trying to achieve. They have to learn. And as a result of that, they have to collect data. They have to document. And then they have to present why certain ways of achieving the goal are better than others because they would have documented their findings. And then once we know what's the best way of achieving the goal, we just accelerate towards it. So when they pitch to you, is it a PowerPoint? Is it a business plan? As we have grown, our way of documenting or pitching has matured. In the beginning, it used to be a spreadsheet. But then as we started growing and the stakes started getting higher, Every thought that came into someone's mind was not good enough to be an experiment. So then we created a Word document where they would say what the idea was going to be, what data supports the idea, what the ROI is, and how much fund do they need, how many funds, what what are the funds that they need to execute on that experiment, when would it end. And typically, if it's more than two weeks, it's not well thought out. So we started creating some parameters around it. And now we're about five years later, and in the middle of COVID-19, How has Nested Bean had to change its strategy in light of our global pandemic? The way we worked back then and today has not changed a whole lot because we carried those nimble processes with us since the last pivot. But what we have done since COVID-19 is instead of creating long-term plans, even three or six month long plans, we've broken them down into smaller wins just in case the current situation changes in three months and we don't want to peg our goals or targets too far in the future because 
you're not going to know what the, the next three, four months are going to bring. So we started creating smaller wins. But at the same time, we also started creating other opportunities, breadth-wise, not deep, so that once things do get lifted, when the world goes back to a bit more you know, of normalcy again, that we will be able to scale all of those initiatives at the same time, creating sort of a compounding effect. Not your babies who you designed for, but what keeps you up at night about the future of Nested Bean? Excitement about the growth opportunities keep me up more than anything. Creating the right team structure, the excitement of it keeps me up. Because I think, you know, without people, without the culture, companies don't exist. They cannot grow. They cannot sustain their growth. And it's not easy attracting the right talent, the right minded people. So that's what I think about more than anything else, especially in our growth stage right now. It all stems from excitement. Mansi, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. Mansi Gangan, founder and president of Nested Bean. Back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. And that's our latest episode. Support for The Language of Business is from Boston University Questrom School of Business. The Language of Business is available wherever you get podcasts. We now have downloads in 40 states and over 66 countries. We really appreciate the support. Our social media is by Jennifer Powell of the Excellent Writers Group. New production music is by Randy Barth of Osui Media Group. Additional production by Jeff Ozalumba. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Direction, audio editing, and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. I'm executive producer Don Kelly. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, thanks for listening to The Language of Business.